Grace and peace are yours from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is recorded by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah in chapter 63, verses 7 through 9. I will tell about the Lord's mercies, about the praises of the Lord, about all that the Lord has done for us, about his great goodness to the house of Israel, which he did for them according to his abundant compassion and according to his great mercy. He said, Surely they are my people, sons who will not deal falsely. So he became their savior. In all their anguish, he had anguish. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he himself redeemed them, and he took them up and carried them all the days of old. This is the word of our Lord. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's New Year's Day. Looking back on 2022, what would you like to take back? What would you like to change? What would you like to forget? And looking ahead to this new year, what are you hoping will be better? Maybe gas prices will continue to go down and never spike to where they were at. Maybe inflation will start going down. Maybe our retirement accounts and investments will stop taking the hit they've been taking. What do you hope will be better? What are you afraid will be worse? I have to admit, I get very retrospective on New Year's Day and right before then. And so today, as we use the prophet Isaiah's words, we will ask the question, or we will, we, we will discuss the sermon theme. As we look to the new year, do not forget the Lord's grace. I will be preaching on my Hebrew translation because I want to bring out the vocable meaning of some of the Hebrew words. And verse 7 begins by saying, I will keep on causing the Lord's acts of committed love to be remembered. The Hebrew word that we used to translate as mercy and many still do. It always amazes me when you look at that word in its context. Acts of committed love. Things God does for you and I because he's committed to us. Now, Isaiah would have in mind Israel and look at how uncommitted to the Lord Israel was and look at how he constantly delivered them and preserved them anyways. Such is the beautiful picture of his grace for you and I, for we sin against the Lord by the minute. And yet he is so committed to us, even to the unbeliever. He allows food and shelter and clothes. He provides for them. And the verb that he uses at the beginning is uh, in the hiphal conjugation, which means I will keep on causing the Lord's acts of committed love to be remembered. Well, how do you cause them to be remembered? First and foremost, that means being in the word, especially on a miserable day like today where it's snowing like this. You are here to hear the word of God. And that word of God does something that our sinful nature hates. It pushes right past it, pushes it out of the way and talks to our new man and strengthens our new man to remember the greatest act of committed love God ever did for us was before we were even conceived to be sinners, he took on human flesh and lived and died for us. When we come to Bible study, we get to stop because you don't get to do this with sort of say, whoa, whoa, pastor, back up. I have a question. I have a question for my neighbor. I have a question for myself. And lots of times other people go, wow. I should have asked that question. I'm interested in hearing the answer. And we continually to ourselves, we continually get to be reminded of everything the Lord does. And, and, and then we get to do those devotions that we do at home that only take a few minutes just to give us a little daily remembrance. 
But it's not just so that you remember. To cause it to be remembered, you have to tell others. And so you not only tell your unbelieving neighbor, but you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Ah, do you remember that sermon we heard six months ago? Well, this little gem from God's word here is what's going to apply to you and your difficulty. Let me remind you that while it may seem like God has forgotten you, what he's doing is actually an act of his committed love and he's taking care of you. Just remember that. And so our text continues. The praise of the Lord in accordance with all that the Lord has rendered for us. If we stop and think about the fact that if we were going to praise the Lord just in accordance with the fact that he has taken on human flesh and saved us, well, we would spend every minute of every hour of every day praising the Lord, wouldn't we? Of course, that wouldn't mean doing it to the point of exhaustion because that would not be praising the Lord. Praising the Lord involves being good stewards. And I have to admit, I'm the most empowered in our congregation to praise the Lord and I belly flop at this pretty bad myself. But isn't it amazing to think just the grace alone that God gives to us, that he gave us last year, that he'll give us in the next year, and that he will give us in the many years to come. So our text continues, and the abundance of good for the house of Israel, all that he's rendered for them. The nation of Israel... God had geographically built that area so that if they were turning against him, he could withhold the rains quite easily. And if they were being faithful to him, then the land would flow with milk and honey. If you were in the land of Israel, you were supposed to be a believer. I emphasize supposed, just like the visible church has hypocrites in it. There were plenty of hypocrites in the nation of Israel. But the nation of Israel was meant to be a visible representation of the invisible church. And so here we can say, and the abundance of goodness for the invisible church, all that he's rendered for it. You are a member in the bride of Christ, the invisible church, a part of that body. And God rules over all creation solely and exclusively for the invisible church. You as an individual member, he ruled over all creation as he predestined you to hear the word, be brought in the word, and to continually be nourished and kept in the word so that you remain saved until the day he delivers your soul safely to his heavenly throne. So our text says, in accordance with his acts of tender mercy. A parent who so lovingly takes care of their child, even at times when that child is being a handful. Tender mercy. Recognizing how terribly stuck you and I are. How we, There are so many things in our life that are so terribly broken that only his supernatural power, his tender mercy can fix them. And again, verse 7 ends by saying, and in accordance with his many acts of committed love. Let us continually cause those acts and let's praise according to his many acts of committed love. And I, I have to tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, once again, the Lord has kept the doors open at Lord of Lords Evangelical Lutheran Church. Another year has come. And I can brag in many ways in which you have shown Christian love to each other, have showed God's committed love as you have been recipients of that committed love. Because of his committed love, we have remained committed to stick to the preaching and teaching of his word and its truth and purity. As we look to the new year, do not forget the Lord's grace. Because you can look back and already see in your life, he has done many things for you. He was there all of 2022 and you can be absolutely confident, no matter what happens, he's there for you in 2023 and will continue to be there for you right up until the time that he calls you to heaven.
He continues in verse 8, really giving us a major reason to praise the Lord. He says, for he said, surely they are my people. They are sons who do not deceive. This is why we rejoice in the incarnation of our Lord. He took on human flesh to take you and I who were slaves to sin, death, and the devil and make us instead not just free people, his children. All of creation is our inheritance. And while you are alive and God's child now, while you are God's child, that means he's ruling over all creation for you now because you are his people. We also know that the new heavens and the new earth will be ours. Someday we will live in eternity where there will never be another tear, where we will never have to struggle with sin because you are prince and princesses in his kingdom because he has adopted you. But did you catch those words? They are sons who do not deceive. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but it's been big news this week. A congressman in New York got elected. And it turns out being he lied through his teeth on his resume. Would you trust him as your congressman? As that question hit my mind when that hit the news, I said, yeah, let's admit it, all of our politicians are liars. He just got caught, right? But doesn't that give you a lot of distrust in your government? There's a reason why God points out that when he's made you his children, his people, you are sons who do not deceive. If you and I were known to be liars, if we were known to twist the truth, would your unbelieving neighbor... Be willing to listen to you when you tell them you desperately need a savior. Great news. You have a savior. Would your brother or sister in Christ be willing to listen to you if you were known to be full of beans when you were to tell them, I know this diagnosis the medical doctors have given you looks awful, but God has a plan and this is going to work out for your eternal well-being. Brothers and sisters of Christ, again, We gather to the word to be strengthened in that word so that we don't let other things become our God, so that we are not seen as hypocrites, so that we don't become legalists like the Pharisees who lied to themselves, who had a thousand rules that they poured upon others, but they had tweaks and turns so that they could hypocritically ignore them when it was convenient for themselves. No, we are sons who do not deceive. And you began this worship service by immediately removing all deception. You said, Lord... I am a rotten, miserable sinner. Here are all my sins. I confess them. God said, you are my child. I remove them all, every last one of them. If we deceive, we harm ourselves. But because his Holy Spirit's in our heart and we've been made his children, we are honest with the Lord and we say, Lord, I sin so much I cannot even remember. I can't lie to myself about that. I can't even remember all of them. I definitely can't lie to you. And God says, forget them now. I've washed them in the blood of my son. And you get the privilege of telling your unbelieving neighbor and your believing neighbor that same good news. As we look to the new year, do not forget the Lord's grace. He has done many things for you. He has made you his people. He's entrusted you with that message to tell others. Great news, everybody. God has adopted you. The last part of verse 8 continues really and transitions into verse 9. He says... For he is their savior. And then if we translate the Hebrew, very literally the Hebrew language there in verse 9, in all their distress, he is not distress. There's a beautiful picture there. It doesn't translate very well into English. He's our savior. You know, in movies like Indiana Jones, or the action-adventure movies, or the spy movies, where the the, the hero or the heroine, or, or both, 
are caught in that in, in that trap where the concrete walls start closing in, and it's just that no matter how much they try, they can't stop them. Those walls are going to squeeze them in and crush them. That's the world we were born in. We mentioned a minute ago that we are sons who do not deceive. We are the victims of the greatest propaganda campaign that ever took place. The devil does not care what you believe. So long as you do not trust that God became a man and did 100% of all the work to save you. For if you believe that, heaven is yours and you are God's child. He has put a new person in you. The devil will tell any lie. And there we are. We cannot save ourselves. The walls are coming in. The devil has designed it that we are crushed and we end with an eternity in hell. And just like those action-adventure movies, there's no way they can save themselves. And so God opened up the trap door that was locked above and He literally lifted you out. We're told that at the, near the end of verse 9, for He lifted them up. God took on human flesh that He could do what you and I could not do. He saved us. He stopped us from being crushed by the devil's deception and his lies. And so verse 9 continues, it says, And the messenger of his countenance, that would be his face, his presence, is their Savior. The one who comes from being before the Lord. The one who came to us and took on human flesh. The one who John begins his gospel saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the spokesman of the Trinity. He is the messenger of the face of the Lord. As he has said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the one who talks. Whenever God talks in the Old Testament, that is the pre-incarnate Christ talking. And yet, we're told, He is the Savior. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us so that He could save us. And He has the message that we can trust the most. I have paid for you. In fact, uh, we are told in His love and in His compassion, He Himself redeemed them. To redeem means to buy back. We were slaves to the devil. And he, He'd used our sinful nature to lie to us so much that we think we're actually free. And we don't think we're slaves to the devil. He's the best propagandist there ever was. There's a reason why Scripture calls Him the father of lies. Jesus did not pay the ransom price to the devil. He paid it to God's holiness. His blood has made us holy. He sent His Holy Spirit to give us a new person who is holy, who is engrafted to Him. We have been bought back because He's our Savior. And so it continues, for He lifted them up and He carried them all the days of old. Clearly we can picture Israel where God makes the promise to Abraham and then He grows them into a nation. They end up enslaved in Egypt and He carries them out of that slavery and He virtually hands them the promised land. But we can say the same. We can say the same of how God has planned in your life and you can look back and see how God has kept you safe. He's provided for your physical needs and your spiritual needs. God has taken care of you and carried you and He will continue to carry you. And so we see as we look to the new year, don't forget the Lord's grace. He's your Savior. What would you take back? What would you change? What would you like to forget? What do you hope will be better? What are you praying is not worse? As I look back at 2022, we had a pretty busy year. We continue to daughter our brothers and sisters in Christ in Buffalo and they continue to grow. But look at how our church has changed here too. COVID struck and nobody knew much about COVID at the time and it was scary. But I remember becoming aware or in the summertime 
This church is coming out of the COVID fear. We are coming back to life after that severe blow. Look at how we built an office and look at how by doing so we put the heart back into the chest of the body that is Lord of Lords. Look at how so many of us, even with physical and ailment problems, as our congregation has seen more and more visitors and we share the word of God. I'm proud of the direction you've been taking. I thank the Lord for the love we have been receiving as we have come to life. As we look to the new year, do not forget the Lord's grace, because we can certainly see he continues to shower us with that grace. He's done many things for you. He provides for your physical and your spiritual needs. He's made you his people, and he is your savior. Things were hard last year, brothers and sisters in Christ, and things will be hard this year. Things were great last year, and they will continue to be great this year. We are brothers and sisters. We are saved. And the Lord continues to give us his grace. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.